This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. It's almost the 4th of July when Americans celebrate their independence, and yet in the Capitol, we're still dealing with some Confederates uh, among the National Statuary Hall and other parts of the seat of government. The House is considering legislation this week, right before the holiday recess, uh, to remove some of those busts and statues of Confederates and white supremacists and people who were advocates of slavery. It's been a long process to get here. And our own Chris Marquette, staff writer here at CQ Roll Call, has been following this even in days when he wasn't a CQ Roll Call reporter because he uh, has background in a regional newspaper uh, down south and saw some of the the context that would serve him well in covering this topic. So, Chris, welcome to Political Theater. Thanks for having me, Jason. So let's let's talk a little bit about just some of the background. The, The House is considering legislation. Uh, to remove some busts uh, or statues of either Confederates or white supremacists this week. It's also part of the legislative branch funding bill because, you know, it it is not cheap to move these things around the country, uh, and this makes it a lot easier for the states that, you know, donated them uh, or sent them here to figure out what to do uh, with them. But, like, let, let, let's talk about some of the folks that are going to be uh, removed from the Capitol grounds. The first one that, that comes to mind is that uh, Roger Taney, who is a former Chief Justice of the United States, there's a bust of him in the old Supreme Court chamber, which is on the Senate side of the Capitol. That uh, will be removed if this legislation is approved, and it will be swapped out for Thurgood Marshall, who's the first black Supreme Court Justice. Let's talk about Taney and what he is uh, famous slash infamous for. Yeah, so he was Chief Justice of the Supreme Court when uh, they issued the uh, Dred Scott decision, which is arguably the worst decision in the history of the Supreme Court. Right. Yeah. This this is the this is the uh, case where Taney wrote it. Uh, it was a majority opinion, a seven to two opinion in which uh, Dred Scott had sued for his freedom. He's arguing that he had, although born a slave, he had lived in a free state. He and his wife, and uh, the decision came down that uh, from Taney's court that. Uh, he was not only uh, couldn't be considered free, but couldn't be considered a citizen. Anything else Roger Taney did was going to come after that in the obit. <laughs> yeah, and and Taney uh, would be in this legislation HR three zero zero five. You know, this legislation would would replace Taney uh, with Thurgood Marshall, who's the you know the first uh, person of color to be a Supreme Court justice. Um, and that that's something that uh, we saw. Um, you know, if you go to the Maryland State House. Uh, you know, back a couple of years ago, they removed uh, a statue of Taney, and you know, there's a prominent uh, plaza uh, leading up to the state house in Annapolis that that prominently features Thurgood Marshall. So, you know, this is in keeping with that, and uh, you know, the majority leader uh, Steny Hoyer, uh, being from Maryland, is is uh, you know is on this on this measure as a, as an author. And some some points of distinction too. Taney was not a Confederate. Um, I mean, he he never served in the Confederate Army or the Confederate government. Uh, you know, he, but but the his authorship of the Dred Scott case is what has gotten him. You know, in 
on sort of cross purposes, you know, for, you know, with, with some of the, you know, what the evolution we see of, of people's rights and certainly in, you know, in the last couple of years um, with the, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd's murder and so forth. So, and yeah, so, and yeah, so as you, as you mentioned, like, you know, he wasn't a member of the Confederacy, the, the, the legislation also does, um, you know, if approved would, would remove all statues of individuals who voluntarily served in the Confederate States of America from display in the United States Capitol. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's important to mention that, you know, the legislative branch appropriations report language, uh, you know, does, does something similar, but it, 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 it specifically points out people by name uh, and, you know, it would direct the Arctic attack to the Capitol, remove statues and or busts in the Capitol that represent, this is a quote from the report language, that represent figures who participated in the Confederate Army or government, as well as statues of white supremacists, Charles Acock, John C. Calhoun, and James Paul Clark, and the bust of Roger B. Taney. So, you know, it has it has overlap with with the bill that's being considered this uh, this. Uh, today actually as we're speaking um and and then it'll move to over to the senate uh so so we talked about taney uh before we talk about two of the people the the confederate figures uh from from mississippi uh jefferson davis and james george let's talk about the the three others that you mentioned uh charles acock former governor of north carolina john c calhoun is former vice president of the united states uh and james p clark former uh governor and senator of arkansas let's start with acock uh, as governor of of north carolina i mean he uh he, he gave this very infamous speech uh, that backed up a lot of his efforts as a uh, political figure in North Carolina to disenfranchise black people uh, in, in North Carolina, bragging about it as a, as a way to help them, uh, that in order to help with what he d- dubbed the Negro problem, uh, they would, that basically people's rights would be taken away uh, and they would be sort of discarded and and just sort of provided for by, you know, basically reducing them to, um, you know, uh, n- barely even wards of the state. And he bragged about this. Uh, and, and it's, uh, if you... Uh, if you look up speech, you know speech, North Carolina, you know governor, the Negro problem that comes up, and it is, it is a uh, you know fairly representative of a lot of attitudes uh, of of the you know of of a lot of white supremacists at the turn of the century. This is when segregation had really taken hold uh, after Reconstruction basically was over, uh, and and Jim Crow had kind of uh, solidified its grip on, on particularly the deep South and, and the sort of border states, South, uh, Southern states like the Carolinas. And uh, it, it's, it's amazing because again, um, you know, ACOC was, was known as, as somebody who pushed universal education for white people at least, uh, and was known as somebody who helped build a more modern North Carolina after the 19th century. But uh, his his white truly white supremacist views um, are are particularly odious uh, in in the kind of prism of history, and that's why uh, he's on the way out too. Apparently, uh, so let's talk about Calhoun, uh, uh, somebody from uh, who predated the Civil War at this point, also not a Confederate, um, and what uh, some of the things that he's known for. <laughs> Yeah, so um, what you know, Vice President of the United States, he he died before the Confederacy established. But um, in reporting my story about back on on, on the Mississippi and South Carolina uh, statues and Statuary Hall, um, 
one of the history professors that I spoke to, Carol Emberton from uh, uh, SUNY uh, Buffalo, was uh, told me that uh, you know he, although he died before the Confederacy was established, he basically was responsible for the, the worldview of of the Confederacy, which is you know white supremacy, um, you know all those kinds of kinds of things that you know uh, white whites are are superior to to black people and 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 you know obviously very you know backwards uh, thoughts. Yeah, he, he also, uh, during his long service in, in government, I mean, he, um, you know, he had, he, he helped draw up, um, you know, uh, plans to go to war with England in the War of 1812. So he was, he had been in government service for a long time, uh, but had a, a fairly radical view of states' rights that was picked up later on um, by, by by many people who supported the Confederacy or served in the Confederacy. Uh, I mean, his, his, his view on it was, um, was that any state uh, could nullify a congressional action because the Constitution was nothing but a compact. Uh, among the states, and the states' rights ran, ran supreme, and that was, you know, one of the prevailing thoughts that, uh, you know, that where, you know, the southern, you know, southern states, the states that seceded said, you know, like they picked up the, a lot of the the reasoning there, um, and and again, not not a Confederate, uh, but but certainly was somebody whose ideas fed into a lot of the Confederacy. And before we get to the Mississippi folks, uh, for which you're the most familiar with, uh, Chris, and uh, let's talk about James P. Clark uh, just a, a little bit. He is a former governor and senator of Arkansas, also known um, for white supremacist views. Uh, his, his family uh, has, has come out in, you know, sort of as wanting to distance themselves from a lot of his racist views. And this, um, the, this is a case where the House legislation is kind of complementary to what's going on in Arkansas anyway, because in Ar- Arkansas has already passed legislation to replace their two statues, one of which is uh, James P. Clark with musician Johnny Cash, uh, the man in black himself. I'm stuck in Folsom prison. And time keeps dragging on. And uh, civil rights uh, icon Daisy Bates. So um, that e- even though Arkansas had like sort of started this process, certainly the uh, authorization in Congress and the and the money that the the legislative branch appropriations bill will provide will will give it a little bit of a boost. Um, all right, on to your specialty, uh, being a Mississippi former Mississippi regional reporter. Um, let, let's talk about these statues, but also just give us a little sense of your history, your time in, in Mississippi, because it was, it was a little while ago, but it's, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So in, in 2015, I covered uh, high school football in, uh, Southern, uh, rural Mississippi, uh, which is called uh, Pearl River County. The uh, paper that I worked for was the picking an item. Uh, and yeah, that was, uh, you know, an interesting experience. Uh, the, it's very different from Washington, D.C. And, you know, you definitely, you know, got a sense of, you know, saw a lot of Confederate flags and things of that nature that were, you know, sympathetic to, you know, figures from the from the Confederacy. There's, you know, there's counties in in, in, in the state that are that are named after, uh, you know, different Confederate officials. There's uh, James B. Uh, James Z. George, the, you know, one of the the Mississippi former senators who has a statue of himself in, in Statuary Hall. Uh, there's, you know, a, a house that he lived in that, um, you know, a, a school named after him, a bunch of stuff, uh, you know, over the state that, that that's dedicated to him. And obviously Jefferson Davis, who was the other um, 
uh, Mississippi statute. Neither of them were, were born uh, in Mississippi. Both of them represented Mississippi as senators, and Jefferson Davis was obviously the president of the Confederacy. Uh, James E. George was a Confederate colonel. Um, but, you know, uh, James E. George is actually uh, a lot less well-known than Jefferson Davis. Um, you know, Confederate colonel, went on to become a U.S. senator. Uh, but one of the things that uh, is particularly odious about him is that uh, he chaired uh, Mississippi's Democratic Executive Committee uh, from 1875 to 1876 and crafted uh, the Mississippi Plan, which was a campaign of voter intimidation and violent repression. Uh, and he's also uh, widely credited as, um, you know, constructing, uh, you know, Mississippi's 1890 Constitution, uh, which was uh, very, very successful and effective in, uh, in repressing the Black vote. Uh, and that 1890 constitution that uh, George was uh, widely cited as the architect of uh, effectively reduced the, uh, the number of qualified black Mississippi voters down from uh, 147,000 to 8,000. Uh, and that was an action that resulted in a white electoral majority in every county. Um, and this is according to a 2017 report by the University of Mississippi's uh, Committee on History and Contextualization. So he he and he was so successful in in uh, repressing the black vote that other southern states um, repeated and basically copied his plan in states like Alabama, Louisiana, Virginia, and the Carolinas. Uh, so he's really a, a a notorious figure in 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 just. Uh, quelling uh, black voting rights. What's so fascinating to me about this, about this history in Mississippi also, is that, you know, Mississippi during Reconstruction elected the very first black person to Congress. Hiram Revels was a senator. And and it was almost a a kind of a model of like the, of, of what, you know, sort of the Reconstruction meant to a lot of people, which is that, uh, the, the you know previously people who were enslaved people of color could participate in the government and and that like uh, as quickly as it was established you know within 20 years I mean the you know the the hammer came down uh, uh, thank thanks to people like James E George um, and and just really like kind of I mean quashed any kind of hope for, you know, like there, there being representation of black people in Mississippi for, for decades. And, and there was also a lot of like political violence, you know, at the polls and, and, and things of that nature. Um, and, and George was a, a skilled lawyer and he actually was uh, the chief justice of the Mississippi Supreme Court for, for a bit. Uh, but he was a skilled lawyer in the sense of he was able to kind of make sure that the federal uh, agents and federal, um, you know, arm of, of, of the United States government, uh, he kept it at arm's length while these kinds of things were going on and, and almost kind of towed the line by saying, hey, you know, like things are going okay. It's not, it's not that bad. The political violence, you know, there's, there's not much of that. He kind of like whitewashed that and was able to kind of, you know, craft this, this plan to to get you know get people of color out of elected office by you know disenfranchising the vote and voter intimidation everything like that but he did it in a skilled way as to not arise uh, or alert 
the, the federal government uh, and they never really came down to kind of intervene on that on that on those on those actions so he was a he was a skilled um you know kind of negotiator on that on that front or i guess you know con man or however you want to you want to frame it but he was he was skilled in, in in being able to get what he wanted and it, I think it's also important to note that Congress is sort of like the outlier on removing some of these statues because, I mean, you mentioned that the Taney um, uh, in, um, representation in, in Annapolis and in the Maryland uh, capital was was taken out and replaced with Marshall. Uh, and in, in Jefferson Davis, you know, he was in the Kentucky uh, state capital for, for decades and was removed uh, a, a couple of years back. So, um, I mean, the, the Congress like the the outlier here now they have made some you know like changes where uh where the speaker has her authority i mean she's the one who uh, uh removed the portraits of former confederates in the speaker's lobby and so forth recently that's that was under her purview like removing that art but this this stuff we're talking about is legislation um are we i mean from well, go ahead that's a, that's a good point so so the natural national statuary hall collection each state gets to pick two, two uh, statues that of, of a person that best represents their state. Mississippi selected Jefferson Davis, the former Confederate president, and James E. George, former con- uh, Confederate colonel and you know, author of, of a plan that, that disenfranchised you know, so many black people um, to remove these statues and, and, and to your point, it, it requires the, the state legislature to, to pass a resolution and the governor needs to sign off on it uh, of each state for each statue. So uh, back when I did the story about the, the Mississippi, you know, uh, the two Mississippi statues represented by Confederates, uh, I asked the entire Mississippi delegation and the only member who said, you know, he wants them removed was Benny Thompson, the only person of color in the Mississippi congressional delegation and the only Democrat in the Mississippi congressional delegation. And everybody else uh, either didn't respond to my questions about that or just said, it's up to the states. You know, it's not my decision. Why, like, why should I weigh in? So a lot of them on these kinds of controversial topics that will get them nothing but backlash in their home state, like Mississippi, um, uh, you know, they, they kind of, you know, couch... Uh, their 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 stance on on the fact that hey it's it's not in Congress's hands it's in the state's hands, um, so which is a little bit of a cop out because they are there to represent people in their states, um, but um, you know we we can continue to hold their feet to the fire because then the question becomes once these statues are removed uh, who who do they uh, get replaced with which is is another you know sort of interesting question. Uh, and and whether whether or not they if if they're they're somebody who is a you know sort of appeals to the broader spectrum of the state or 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 doesn't so it's I mean th- it seems like this fight um, you know I don't know you probably get some people saying like oh this is cancel culture or whatever but I mean like as as you've you know stated through like lo- you know we're looking at you know almost to the dawn of the republic we've had these fights you know like over you know, the over white supremacy, over states' rights, over the, you know, however you want to call it, voting rights. And this is just the latest iteration of it. It's not by any means, you know, just something that, you know, kind of 
burst uh, burst out because of a bunch of woke people on Twitter or something like that. This is a long-standing fight and just the latest battle in it. Well, Chris, uh, thanks so much for walking us through it. I know it's uh, there, there's a lot. It seems like uh, stuff, a lot happens on this beat real quickly, and then it sort of lays dormant for a while and then starts back up. You know, this week we didn't expect that they would be considering two pieces of legislation uh, concerning this, but but here we are. So uh, appreciate it, and thanks for... Uh, I'm glad that your uh, coverage of high school football in Mississippi <laughs> has come in handy uh, and has been able to inform your reporting on on uh, on whether we have white supremacists in National Statuary Hall or not. <laughs> so thanks much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.